long-awaited opening of Fort Smith's U.S. Marshals Museum may be getting a step closer thanks to some help from the federal government and the Sebastian County Quorum Court. We're going to talk about that today on the Know the News podcast. Hello, my name is Rusty Turner. I'm the editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Welcome to this week's podcast. In a few minutes, I'll give you some highlights about what to expect from this weekend's editions of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. But first, I want to talk about a story from our reporter, Thomas Sicente, who's going to tell us about how the Marshalls Museum hopes to take that last leap to, its op- to opening its doors for its visitors. Thomas is here with me today to talk about it. Hi, Thomas. Hello, uh, Rusty. Hey. And uh, we also are joined today by Patrick Weeks. He's the president and CEO of the U.S. Marshals Museum. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. And we also have with us Anthony Meyer. Uh, he's the museum's chief development officer and the president of the U.S. Marshall Museum Foundation. Anthony, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. All right. So, Patrick, I want to start with you. Uh, for our listeners who may not know, could you tell us a little bit about the history of the Marshalls Museum and, and why it's located, the U.S. Marshalls Museum, and why it's uh, located in Fort Smith? Sure. Uh, so, back in 2006, the U.S. Marshalls Service selected Fort Smith out of, I think, about 30 uh, sites to be the home of the U.S. Marshalls Museum. Um, the reason for that is uh, predominantly on our uh, wall of honor, which is currently finished and at the museum. On that wall, we have 381 names of marshals, deputy marshals, posse members, uh, special deputies, task force officers, and administrative staff, all who have died in the line of duty. And out of those 381, 122 of them died in what we now know as Oklahoma with the majority of them riding out of Fort Smith during those frontier days. So uh, the Marshal Service considers Fort Smith sacred ground, and uh, it's the perfect home for this nationally scoped museum. And, and so the historical, historical connection to Fort Smith being the, the westernmost uh, uh, outpass, uh, uh, outpost of the federal government uh, in, the, in the Indian Territory days, that's, the, uh, that, that w- that's part of the impetus there, is that correct? That is correct. At the end of the Trail of Tears and the the removal of the uh, tribes from the uh, east and southeast, uh, the federal courthouse was set up in uh, Fort Smith. Uh, Actually, originally Van Buren, but then it moved to Fort Smith. Um, And, you know, we've got Judge Parker that uh, we all know and love that was there for a period of time cleaning up the, the mess that was left behind by his predecessors. And uh, the U.S. Marshals uh, were constantly chasing fugitives into Indian territory and capturing them, uh, working very closely with the, uh, the tribal law enforcement called Mike Horseman. And, uh, and so the, in 2006 is when the museum was established, and so I know you've been fundraising uh, along the way. So, uh, so Anthony, uh, I'll, I'll switch over to you. Uh, tell us about where you are in fundraising and, and where you are on, on the road to getting the, the museum open. Sure. We've had uh, some tremendous success over the last two months. We received uh, back in July... An anonymous donor uh, gave us a $5 million gift, a matching gift, and they would, the family would very much like us to go to other donors and be able to match that $5 million gift, which we are in the process of doing. 
and we've had several significant gifts uh, in the last two weeks, uh, a half-million-dollar gift uh, from an, another anonymous donor. We received a quarter-million-dollar gift from a gentleman in Houston who has never been to Fort Smith, never seen the museum, uh, another $100,000 gift, uh, actually two $100,000 gifts. Uh, so we've got some tremendous momentum because of the match. It really has sparked some interest. We had some donors sitting on the fence that said, if you get a match, come back to me, which we are doing. Um, but to answer your question, basically we're at a point now, um, we've got a little bit over $4 million left to raise to hit the goal. Wow. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, uh, that's quite an accomplishment. The original goal, I, I don't want to misspeak. So what was the original fundraising goal? I'm going to kick that to Patrick because yeah. I think it, it switched once yeah. before I was even here. Yeah. Sure. So um, that has moved around a little bit over time. Uh, it was originally a $50 million uh, goal for the project. Um, it escalated up to about $63 million. And then when I arrived five years ago, it was looking to go north of $75 million um, due to expense uh, associated with the building and costs going up. Um, and so over the last few years, we were able to uh, evolve that building design to be something more manageable. Um, it is complete and it's beautiful out there on the riverfront. Um, and we were able to to cut budgets and make sure that we were doing the right thing, stewarding the, uh, uh, the dollars that uh, we've received from our gracious donors. And so our capital budget is $48.1 million plus an in-kind land donation of 3.1. So that takes us a little over $50 million uh, uh, total for the project. Um, and then over time, we got down uh, earlier this year, we got down to $12.5 million left to raise. And then we got that $5 million matching gift. Um, and we received uh, the, the dollars that uh, dollars and pledges that Anthony was talking about. And we received another $3 million that is not uh, being applied to the match. So that takes us down to the four, little over $4 million left to raise to finish off the project uh, from a, the capital campaign perspective um, and get us open to the public. Well, that's that's really exciting because I know that's been a lot. I know you've been working on it for a long, long time to 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 get to this point. And I just want to clarify too: the building is there; it's already been constructed. It's there uh, on the grounds. It's a great setting out there on on uh, Riverfront Drive. Uh, so right now, this this last little bit of money, it's going to pay for. Look, there's nothing little about four point five million dollars, but uh, but this last bit of money that's uh, that's to help pay for the the furnishings, get the exhibits set up, and that sort of thing. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, with the money that we've raised to date and this last 4.5, a uh, little over $4 million, mm -hmm. um, that is to uh, build out what we call the museum experience. We don't think of the museum uh, uh, experience as exhibits or displays. We think of it as something that is transformative to guests when they come through the doors by telling these stories in unique and provo provocative ways, and sometimes add a little bit of magic in to get that done. So we've got the museum experience, we've got uh, our fixtures, furniture, and equipment, the FF&E, um, that uh, will be paid for out of the monies raised and this next four million. 
Um, we have uh, startup costs associated with that. We've got uh, some contingency built in and uh, uh, we're uh, cash reserves and we're ready to uh, go. All right. So uh, now let's uh, let's take this over to Thomas. Your story this weekend uh, is going to be about uh, some possible help to 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 bridge that last little gap uh, that that may be coming from from the Sebastian County Quorum Court. Thomas, can you tell us about that? Well, uh, during the uh, most recent Sebastian County Quorum Court meeting, which took place uh, last Tuesday, October nineteenth, um, there there was a lot of things that uh, went on at that meeting. But one of them was. Uh, briefing, the Special County Corn Court was briefed on a proposed budget for uh, 2022, a proposed county budget. And one of the things that uh, Special County Judge David Hudson uh, recommended to the Corn Court was to uh, allocate um, $7.5 million in American Rescue Plan funds for the museum. Now, keep in mind, this was before news got out about, before um, uh, the museum received um, some of the donations that uh, Patrick and uh, uh, Anthony talked about earlier, uh, the uh, $500,000 donation toward the matching gift and the $3 million pledge not applied to the match. So at the time, it was uh, the request was for $7.5 million. And his um, Judge Hudson's reasoning for that was is that he actually cited a feasibility study that a uh, consulting practice based in London, England, Leisure uh, Development Partners uh, conducted in the fall of 2018 that projected the museum to, would have uh, 125,576 people attending annually during a typical year. And he also cites statistics from the uh, projections from the Arkansas Economic Development Institute that um, um, espoused um, that determined that the museum and related tourist expenditures would have a total impact of 13 to 22 million dollars in Sebastian County, along with a seven to 12 million dollar impact on the county's gross domestic product annually. And so his reasoning for that was is that he wanted to um, kind of spur on that sort of economic development, help facilitate that by uh, allow by. Um, asking the corn court to allocate this money so that the museum can close out its capital campaign and begin the process of uh, uh, building the exhibits and educational programming needs before it can open. Okay. And uh, um, that American Rescue Plan money, that's, uh, that's money from the federal government to help communities recover from the, from the COVID-19 pandemic, which we've all been dealing with. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it, it seems, it seems like a no brainer to, to understand that every organization and institution has been adversely affected by the, uh, by the pandemic. But, I, but I'm wondering if our, our guests from the museum can kind of, kind of detail what some of their, some of their, uh, uh, some of the negative impacts that the pandemic's had on them as far as fundraising and, and moving towards your goal. Um, sure. I can jump in on that. Yeah. The, uh, uh, you know, we got this facility finished in January of 2020, and we moved in uh, to move our offices from uh, a little building in downtown Fort Smith into the museum building. And then March hit, and we got slammed with COVID, and everybody kind of went home for a year and a half, uh, uh, figurative, figuratively and, uh, uh, and um, in reality. And so everything slowed down. Uh, fundraising slowed down. There were expenses to pay for the building to just exist there. 
Um, uh, we were making sure that we were keeping our staff uh, employed. Um, there's a number of things associated with that uh, being a nonprofit that uh, make us qualify for uh, funding from the uh, uh, American Rescue Plan. But the other piece is uh, tourism development and economic development from tourism, which we also uh, qualify for. So it's kind of twofold. And I think the focus really um, at this point is uh, finishing up the museum, getting it open and letting it be the economic engine that that uh, it promises to be. Yeah. So how are you guys feeling? I mean, this is as close as, you, as you've been. Uh, to get the museum open. I know it's been a long road. We've been talking about it in Fort Smith for 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 many many years. So uh, how are, how are you feeling about this uh, these these most recent developments? Well, this is exciting stuff, right? I mean, we are sitting with this world class facility, and we're getting ready to start production on the museum experience, and that starts a, a clock ticking. And the the only really variation on the clock ticking is uh, material acquisition in the spring uh, to uh, whether that be uh, uh, materials for scenic elements or materials for interactives or electronics or lighting. Um, and with all the things going on right now with uh, our ports around the country and uh, uh, shipping issues, we, uh, we're, we're hesitant to, to call the ball on anything at this point in time, so we'll be making announcements in the spring. But uh, we're feeling at this point that we're looking towards uh, fall opening to the public, a soft opening to the public in the fall of 22, with a grand opening celebration to happen probably sometime in early 23. Wow. So and and now to be clear, I know your building's been there since uh, since January of 20. 20, um, and I know you've hosted some events there, including the, the newspaper hosted an event there. Uh, so so folks have, have have seen the building, been inside the building. It has been utilized in some ways. Is that correct? That's true. Uh, we have events um, more often than you think between weddings. Uh, there is a, uh, uh, I think, a 50-year or 60-year high school reunion that's happening there this evening, as a matter of fact. Um, and uh, we've had uh, the governor's conference on tourism there. Um, we've had, uh, again, uh, an um, event that you guys held there. Mm -hmm. um, left and right, it's, it's just been incredible. Uh, quinceaneras and birthday parties, and we've got holiday parties planned, plus our own events that we've been doing. Um, actually, Monday next week, the November 1st, uh, we have our own event uh, as a part of our Remembering 9-11, 20 Years of Impact. Uh, we've got folks from the Marshal Service that were actually uh, involved in running security and taking over major airports in the post 9-11 days, weeks, and months uh, to talk about what their experience was. And the final one will actually be in uh, December on the first Monday of December, where we have people from the technical operations group coming in to talk about some of the technologies that they used in their own personal stories about what they experienced on what they call the pile, which was uh, ground zero. So um, everything that you can imagine. Yeah. 
I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the the event. Our the Northwest Congress of Democrat Gazette sponsored there was our was our best of the River Valley Gala um, uh, a month or so ago. So uh, we're we're grateful for the opportunity to 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 uh, use your use their facilities for that. So thank you for that. I'm grateful for you selecting ours. Yeah. So. Um, so Thomas, where are we with the with the proposal? Tell us uh, tell us when the quorum court may take this up. I understand that the proposal will probably uh, go from from uh, seven point five down to the to to a little more than four million. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I spoke with uh, Judge Hudson about this yesterday, and he said that uh, his recommendation will be amended based on the yeah. more recent developments that have gone with the museum monetarily. The uh, quorum court will uh, review the proposed twenty twenty two budget again. At its meeting uh, November 16th, so they'll they'll um, they will um, discuss various topics of the budget, and uh, um, I think it's safe to say that this uh, recommendation for the Marshalls Museum will be among them, and they'll be, decide whether or not it will uh, go forward or if it will uh, not be a part of the budget for next year. All right, and and gentlemen, if uh, from the museum, if anybody uh, any of our listeners has some questions or want some more information about the Marshalls Museum. Uh, what would be the best way that could go about finding out? Well, they can call our main line at 479-242-1789, or they can email myself at pweeks, that's P-W-E-E-K-S, at usmmuseum.org, or anthony at a meyer a m e y e r at usm dot foundation all right all right well and uh and of course you will keep everyone informed as well thomas will do a good job reporting this story as it uh, uh as as the proposal moves to the to the quorum court so gentlemen is there anything i'm missing anything else you'd like to bring up or or talk about before we go today I don't believe so. I, you know, the, 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 the fact that we have as much wind in our sails right now and we are so close to finishing off this capital campaign um, is exciting. But, you know, fundraising never stops in the museum world. So we will have annual fundraising uh, uh, to fill our contributed revenue line to go along with our earned revenue line. Uh, year over year, and as soon as we're done with the capital campaign, Anthony will start up an endowment campaign uh, that has an initial goal of 12 million, and then uh, uh, the next goal will be 36 million to be able to uh, make sure that uh, we are having conversations about uh, reduced uh, admission prices and to be able to expand our programming further and further across the country. Well, I know this has been a, it's been a long time in coming, and I know uh, folks in Fort Smith are excited about the prospect of having this museum open to the public and, and having, having visitors come to town to, to, to take a look at it. So thank you uh, very much. I want to thank my guests today, Patrick Weeks, the president and CEO of the U.S. Marshall Museum in Fort Smith, and also Anthony Meyer, who is the uh, Chief Development Officer and also the President of the U.S. Marshall Museums Foundation. So, gentlemen, thank you very, very much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I also want to thank Thomas Sente, our reporter in Fort Smith, who will keep you informed about this story and many others going on. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Rusty. This is a lot of fun. All right.
We've got plenty of other great content coming your way in this weekend's editions. Janelle Jessen will check in with the Illinois River Water Project and its efforts to educate local municipal planners on the importance of stormwater management and new developments. The 2020 census shows that the percentage of residents in Washington and Benton counties living in cities and towns continues to grow while the percentage of rural residents shrink. This means county governments will get less sales tax money in coming years, and Tom Sissom will report on the impact of that. Development in downtown Springdale continues. Another mixed-use development in downtown goes before the City Planning Commission this week after two other similar developments have already filled up with residents and businesses. Lorinda Jinks will catch us up. Ron Wood takes a look at the Ozark Regional Transit's plan to expand its board of directors and change the way votes are allocated to its member communities. In sports, we'll have the results of the state volleyball finals for you as Springdale Harbor and Fayetteville battle it out for number one. We'll also have coverage of the Arkansas men's basketball team's final exhibition game as the Razorbacks prepare to open the regular season November 9th. Don't forget to check out today's Let's Eat column to find out what's new on the local restaurant scene. And check out our Sunday What's Up section so you can start planning what you're going to do next weekend. You can find all of this great content and much, much more in the weekend editions of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. If you're not a subscriber, you don't have to miss out. Just go to our website at nwaonline.com and hit the subscribe button. Or you can call us at 479-684-5509. That's 479-684-5509. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. We're here with a new edition every Friday. Just tap the subscribe button on your device right now. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rusty Turner. We'll be back next week with another edition of Know the News.